So I have a question to ask you as we jump in this first real chapel service today. And here's the question, and it's a rhetorical question, which means answer it in your own mind. Here's the question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Again, I'll repeat it. I want you to think about it. Are you a follower of Jesus? Because I would argue that this is the most important question that you will ever answer. Are you a follower of Jesus? Now, some of you here today would say, yeah, absolutely. Of course I'm a follower of Jesus. And others would say, you know, Pastor, that's a good question, and honestly, I'm not sure. And then there are others of you that would answer the question, and you'd be like, you know, if I'm honest with you, um, no, I'm not. This Jesus thing, it's not really for me. Maybe some of you would answer, and you've been like, you know, I just, I just have never heard about Jesus. I don't, why would I want to follow him? And if I'm honest with you this morning, if you had asked me growing up, if I was a follower of Jesus, I would have said, well, yeah, of course I'm a follower of Jesus. My family, my family, we go to church like every Sunday, unless we forget or sleep in. Uh, like, we, we, like my grandparents also go to the same church. Of course I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I went through confirmation at my Presbyterian church. They even gave me a Bible for it. Yeah, I'm a, I participated this one time in this youth Sunday where, where there was a skit and I played the rich young ruler. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I went to VBS that one time. I, I pray every night before I go to bed. Usually it's God, please not to have any bad dreams. And when I was like eight or nine, it was God, please help me to quit wetting the bed. But I prayed. Of course I follow Jesus. I, I, I went with my friends to that see you at the pole thing in high school. I know every lyric to the following DC Talk albums. New Thing, Free at Last, Jesus Freak. You could keep going. I, I, went, I went in high school. I went to a Promise Keepers rally that one time. Anyone remember those? The old people do. I wore a WWG, WWJD bracelet, so I was constantly asking, what would Jesus do? I had, a, I had a cross necklace that I never took off, even in the shower, because I was hardcore. I, I read the Left Behind series all the way to book six. I had... I had Christian t-shirts that I would wear, referred to as witness wear. Of, of course I'm a follower of Jesus. Why would you even ask that? But the truth is, is that I wasn't so much a follower of Jesus, as that I was a fan of Jesus. Now when I use the word fan, I'm defining fan as an enthusiastic admirer. A fan, a fan is the guy at the football game with no shirt and the painted chest. Like he sits in the stands and he cheers for his team. He's got the signed jersey 
50 hanging on his wall, and he's got multiple bumper stickers on the back of his car. Now listen, there are so many of you in this room who I am a fan of. The Central Christian College teams, I'm a fan. I'm in the bleachers cheering you on every dunk or home run or goal or spike. I'm a fan. Volleyball team, I will be there today. I am a fan, but I'm never actually in the game. And some of you are like, praise Jesus for that. I'm never, I'm I'm never actually in the game. I don't ever break a sweat, at least doing that, I don't. I've never, I've never been knocked down on an open field or taken a line drive to my body. I, I may know all about you players at Central. I can cheer your names. I can post sweet pictures of you to my own social media while you're playing. I can yell and cheer, but nothing is really required of me. I'm not actually on the team. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. A fan of the person who never misses the celebrity news shows, the celebrity TikTok announcements. A fan is the person who keeps tabs on their favorite musician or band. Perhaps there's someone who knows a lot about David Crowder, but they don't really know David Crowder. Now, don't get me wrong, fans can have passion. Believe me, I turn into a different kind of person during March Madness every year. It's the one time of the year where my loving, amazing wife will tolerate my insanity. As I am dragging multiple TVs and computer screens into our family room so I can watch all of the early round games at the same time. Does anybody else do that? Isn't that the best? Have you ever accidentally been watching the wrong TV and you realize you're watching a commercial when there's like games on other TV? Oh, that's the best. But again, the reality is again is I'm, I'm simply an enthusiastic admirer. Are you guys with me? Are we, are we tracking? And what I, what I came to realize, what I came to realize is that I wasn't so much a follower of Jesus, but that likewise I was a fan. My relationship wasn't exclusive. More of like a casual thing. And the problem is that Jesus himself is really quite clear about the kind of relationship that he wants from us. And it's never the relationship of a fan. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start together in verse 21. For Jesus, he clearly defines what kind of relationship he wants to have with us, with you, with me. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't dress it up. He tells us exactly what it means to follow him. And he gives some specific warnings for those who don't. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
Away from me, you evildoers. So this small passage comes at the end of this pretty long sermon. Jesus is winding down. And as he's winding down, it's sort of this like, oh, by the way. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will happen. So essentially... What's happening is that Jesus is writing to people about a very serious pattern that can emerge. And Jesus says, look, just because you call me Lord, just because you say you have given me every area of your life, it doesn't make it true. You can say it and not mean it. Jesus says, he says, look, there's this realm where things are as God intends them to be, where the brokenness and destructiveness and the chaos and the cancer and all the things that are a part of our world, they aren't there. There's this other realm where things are as God intends them to be, where God rules and has complete control. This other kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, he says, if you simply pay me lip service, if you say, Lord, if you say that I'm going to submit to every single thing that you tell me to do, Jesus, and then you don't, if you say it but your heart's not in it, Jesus says, then you're never going to experience this other kingdom, the way you were created to live, this life to the fullest, this life that starts now and goes on forever and ever and ever, that death isn't the end of your story, it's simply an address change of sorts, and you get to decide the address. Jesus says, he says, there are some of you who, who know all the right things to say, but your life doesn't reflect any of the words. And then he gives a warning. He says, for a lot of you, there's going to come a day when you're going to have a bit of a surprise because someday you're going to stand before me. Jesus says, someday you're going to stand before me with your list of accomplishments, with your good deeds, and your correct politics, and your attendance at a Christian school, and that Bible study you went to, and that prayer you prayed that one time, and you're going to be surprised. Because Jesus will look at you and he will say, listen, there's a difference between knowing about me and knowing me. Jesus calls these people out and he says, look, you may say you're followers of me, but let's honestly, let's define this relationship. Jesus says, the truth is you aren't followers of me as much as you're fans of me. And that's where I was living. I was living safely in the zone with Jesus until I was 20 years old. When I was 20 years old, I had a literal come to moment. But let me, let me back up. I graduated high school in 1998, which if you ask me was like just a few years ago. Like I still picture myself being like, I'm like locked in at 18 years old. <laughs> I know I look it. Uh, I, uh, I graduated from high school and I had pretty much a full ride scholarship. I just had to pay like room. I had a full ride scholarship to a, to a state school um, East University is going to study education. My life goal was to be a high school director. But what I discovered was that at 18, I was neither ready nor mature enough for college life. And at a giant state school, I had no sort of support structure to help me navigate that. 
there's also this girl. You know how that story ends. And then there wasn't this girl, and that didn't go well. I also discovered, as an 18-year-old, that college and university on it when you don't go to class, like, ever. I would stay up, ever, this is true, this is what I did. I would stay up every night until like 4 a.m. eating pizza and playing ping pong with my roommate. And while I got really freaking good at ping pong, the school kicked me out after a semester. And I didn't tell my parents about any of this until they get this letter in the mail that's like, your son no longer goes to the school that we were paying him to go to. It was, it was a bad day, guys. So I moved home. My parents were like, well, if you're living here, you're getting a job. Like you're putting your 40 on the clock somewhere. And so I got a job uh, bussing tables and waiting tables at a Cracker Barrel. I was living the high life, let me tell you. And then through a local community college, I got an opportunity to move to Orlando, Florida and work at Disney World for a semester doing their Disney College program. And what the Disney College program educated me on more than anything else was how to build up my tolerance to alcohol and how to sleep around. I remember, I remember numerous times waking up and having no idea where I was or how I got there. And hear, hear me, like part of me as I was preparing this and, and sharing my story with you, part of me was like, oh, there's pictures of that I could show you. I could show you pictures of some of those parties. But hear me, I'm not... It's not a brag. When I think back to that, I just feel sadness at how lost I was. And so I don't want to glorify it because it wasn't, it wasn't great. Because for me, I was a fan of Jesus. I had no problem blasting Toby Mac while getting drunk. I had no problem wearing my witness wear and then hooking up with some random girl. And then it, all, then it all came to a head in November of 2000. I was back home, the internship was over, and I was working as the front desk manager of a Fairfield Inn. I'm living on my own. I have a nice apartment. I have a pretty nice car. But I also had these friends from high school who were obnoxiously serious about Jesus. They, they weren't fans. They were followers of Jesus. And they were so patient with me, but they were so persistent with me. We'd go out to lunch, and they would turn the conversation and talk about Jesus. We'd hang out playing GoldenEye and Mario Kart on the N64. And while they were shooting me, they would talk about Jesus. And they would drop these truth bombs kind of show me that like, like when I listen to him, I'm like, I'm not, like there's a difference between you and me and I, I don't think I'm following Jesus. Like they were exposing the fact that I was a poser. And then November 25th, 2000, November 25th, 2000, I just, um, I just had a one night stand with some random girl, a habit I picked up in Florida. And I remember I remember, I remember this, I see it. I close my eyes and see it. I remember laying in my apartment, staring at the wall, and wondering to myself, is this it? Like, 
Like, is life more than this? Like, have I arrived? Like, I've got the job, I've got the car, I've got the apartment. Like, I'm doing it. But when I was honest, I still felt empty. Like there was something missing. And I got up and I went to work because I was covering a third shift for an employee who was sick. So I go to work for my 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, and I couldn't, I couldn't shake that feeling like I'm missing something, like something's broken, like this isn't, there's got to be more than this, because if this is it, then this, this sucks. By the way, fast forward just a second, have you ever stopped to think about the things that you used to pray for that you now have? Anyway, back up. And I remember, I remember standing in the back laundry room of this hotel. Um, because on third shift, at least at this hotel, what you would do to kill time, because it was the middle of the night, is that you would fold sheets so that when housekeepers came in in the morning, they were ready to change out sheets and beds. And so I'm folding sheets for hours and hours, and there was this little radio that sat on the counter back there, and it, like, had a, a janky antenna, and I remember that I couldn't get it, like, the normal top 40 station to come in, so I'm, like, messing with it, and the only station that night that I could get to come in was some, like, stupid, like, K-Love-type station. It was, like, Christian radio, and I'm, like, all right, whatever, maybe they'll play some DC Talk. I know those songs. So this Radio, and then it's the middle of the night, and that's when Christian radio is like, let's put preachers on in the middle of the night. Why? Nobody's awake except for dudes working third shift at hotels. And so this radio's on, this guy on this radio is essentially sh- talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel, and I'm folding these sheets, having this existential moment of like, this, this, isn't, this, this isn't working. And there was this moment for me where I physically remember just standing, dropping the sheets, and I said out loud in the back of this laundry room with no one around me, I said, God, I give up. I said, God, the way I've been doing this, it's not working. I feel empty. I feel like something's missing. I have these friends who, who are also Christians, but why does their life look different than mine? What am I doing wrong? They have this joy and this peace, and I don't have it. What, what I feel like I'm missing something. Jesus, I feel like I'm holding back. And so right now, God, I'm just, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with all of it. All of my life, I'm just going to give it to you, Jesus. I believe that you're who you say you are. I believe that the way that I'm living is leaving me feeling empty and broken. And so right now, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. I confess my sin. I ask your forgiveness. I ask that you would help me follow you with everything I have. And in that moment, nothing happened. It wasn't magic. The sky didn't open up. Doves didn't descend. It wasn't like a choir. Oh. But I remember. I remember driving home from that third shift. And I remember feeling a lightness in my spirit. 
And I remember driving towards my apartment and seeing people, this is, I can still remember this, I remember seeing people walking down the sidewalk. And I remember like just spontaneously praying out loud for those people in my car by myself. I'd be like, God, I just pray for that person. I pray that whatever they're going through, that you would give them the same peace that I feel right now. Oh, and God, I pray for that person. And that lady that just drove by me, I pray that you would bless. It just, I did that all the way until I got back to my apartment, and then I went to sleep. For me, this change of moving from fan to follower was huge. Because I discovered what so many other people have discovered is that when you really trust Jesus, when you dive in with your whole life, it is consuming. It's like, it's like standing in front of a fire hose. You can't just say, I'll take one cup. And these friends who have been walking with me, I shared with them this thing that God had done in my life in the back of this laundry room at a Fairfield Inn, and they were like, Zach. We have been praying for you. And although I didn't have the language to explain it, I was essentially saying, guys, I did it. I moved from fan to follower. And they were, so we began studying the Bible together. They invited me to help serve in this ministry that they were a part of called Youth for Christ. And, and, and so I started doing that. I was essentially doing youth ministry. I didn't know that's what it was called. I was just hanging out with high schoolers, playing games and talking about Jesus. And then a few months later, the Youth for Christ people were having a ski trip. And they were like, hey, would you go as a sponsor, a chaperone on our ski trip? And I was like, so I get to ski and you'll pay for it. And I get to talk about Jesus. I am in. And on that ski trip, they brought in a speaker one night and he shared the gospel he talked about what Jesus did for us on the cross and how we could have new life in him. And one of the guys who was in like sort of my group that I was in charge of came up to me and he's like, Zach, I want to be a Christian. And I was freaking out because I was like, dude, I just did this like two months ago. That's awesome. But I don't know how to make you a Christian. And I was like, I'm going to mess this up and you're going to end up a Buddhist. I was like freaking out. I was like, I don't know how to lead anybody to the Lord. And so, so we like to, I was like, well, maybe, like, there was nobody around. I was like, well, maybe we should pray. It seems like, so we're like, and his name's Ethan. Hey, God, Ethan wants to be a Christian. You should do that. Like, I was, it was the, I didn't know what I was doing. But I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, that moment, that moment when I got to lead that kid to Jesus Something in me clicked. It was this moment where I realized I, that's what I want to do. Like, can I? Ju I just want to do this. Like all that other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? I like, this is all I want to do. I just want to teach this book and tell people about Jesus. Like, like, what if I could just do this all the time? Like, just tell teenagers about Jesus. I just want to do this all the time. And so I came back from that trip with, like, this fire in my belly. And I began to wonder, like, okay, that was a little rocky when he was ready to accept Jesus because I didn't know what to do. So maybe there's, like a, like, a class you can take. Like, is there, like, a school or, like, a, like a program, like, books on tape, like, something that can teach me how to do this, I literally had no idea how to even phrase it. And then I was like, 
wait, could I, like, go to school for, like, Jesus leading? Like, that sounds amazing. I didn't grow up with a youth pastor. I really had no context for it. So being the year 2000, I did what anybody would do. I hopped on a Yahoo search engine, and I typed in the following words. Christian school plus youth ministry college plus not Illinois. Because I was not that I have anything against Illinois. I grew, I was living in Illinois. I was born and raised in Illinois. But I knew that if I was going to do this, that I had to move away from some of the influences that were still in my life. So I knew. Listen, I love my friends. I, I love where I grew up. I'm thankful for it. But if I'm going to be, if this is, if God, if I'm, I'm serious about following Jesus, if I'm a follower, then I got to remove these influences. And so I typed that into Yahoo search engine and. <laughs> And Central Christian College of Kansas was the first school to pop up on the search. And this is what I said to myself. Some of you have heard my story. I promise I'm not making this up. This is what I said in my 20-year-old brain. Oh, well, that logo has a cross in it. They're probably legit. <laughs> That's it. That's how discipled I was. Like, I could have ended up a Mormon and been like, well, they had a cross in their logo. I didn't know. Um, so I called Central, and I said, hey, I got, like, I got two admissions. I called you. I called admissions, and I said, hey, I want to come to your school. Easiest admissions experience ever. Andy Olson was my admissions counselor, and he was like, I don't have to do any work here. And he, and he was like, well, here's how much it costs. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. That sounds like student loans. Okay, I'll just do that. That sounds like, I'm, I'm, when is the first day of class? I'm, well, you have to apply. What? Why? Like, I literally had no idea. And then they're like, why don't you come and preview the school? Like, make sure. And so I came and I previewed Central. I met this dude who was here who was not only, he was not only teaching youth ministry classes, but he was also the campus pastor at the time, this young guy, uh, Pastor Lenny Favara. And I came away from that preview weekend knowing that Central was where I was supposed to be. And in the fall of 2001, I enrolled as a freshman here. And I want you to do some math with me. I was a 21-year-old freshman. I was a 21-year-old used to living on my own that now had a curfew. All right? There was some humbling that happened in my spirit. And I don't regret anything about that experience. And being here at Central changed my life. It helped me shed the rest of my fan ways, things that I didn't know. And I was discipled to a point where I was like, oh, followers of Jesus don't do that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's my story. That's how I got here. That's how I moved from fan to follower. Now, what about you? How would you define your relationship with Jesus. You see, I would suggest that Jesus has a lot of fans these days. Fans who cheer for him when things are going well, but who walk away when things get tough. Fans who sit safely in the stands cheering, but really know nothing of the sacrifice and pain of the field. Fans of Jesus know all about him, Fans of Jesus are quick to slap a bracelet on their wrist or post inspirational stuff on their social media, hashtag blessed. 
but they don't know him. They haven't given him their life, only their Instagram stories. So I bring us back to the question that we started with, the question that we'll explore this semester. Are you a follower of Jesus? This is the most important question that you will ever answer. It is the reason why you are at this place. Not in this room right now, but this is the reason why you are at this school, to wrestle with this question. You might not know it is, but it is. Are you a follower of Jesus? This question carries with it consequences that will go on from here into eternity. I can't think of anything more important than that. So as we close our time with one more song, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Lord may be doing. And I'm going to do my best to create this space for you every week. Where if you need a, qu a few quiet moments of prayer, do it. If you need to come and kneel down in the front here, do it. This space is an altar. And sometimes our response to what God is doing in our lives needs to be a physical thing. Sometimes it ne needs movement. Even if it's just getting out of your seat and coming down to pray. There are so many moments in my life that happened at this altar right here. I can remember times of prayer with the Lord right here in this space. I can remember faculty and staff members coming and praying for me. I can remember confessing times that I had messed it up bad as a student and spending time in this altar space here. So if you need prayer, there are those of us here who would love to pray for you. If you have a sense that a teammate or a friend needs prayer, come down and pray together or find them where they're at and pray. But regardless of what you do, I want you to know that this time of response is for you. I believe that this is a moment that the Lord set aside, but you get to decide how you respond to the invitation. So as we sing together, I want you to ask yourself, am I a fan? or a follower. And once you have that answer, what does that mean for you and how you should respond? So here are these words. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning and no end. It's a love you don't have to earn and you can never lose. Whether you feel like a success or a failure, he loves you. Whether you feel alone or surrounded by people, he loves you. Whether you feel righteous or guilty, he loves you. He loves you enough to send his son to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. Even right now, Jesus is before the Father speaking words of love on your behalf. He will return to renew you and the whole world because he loves you. This is the most true thing about you. The first fact of your existence, you are loved by your creator God. Before anything else can be said about you, this must be said. God loves you and that will never change. 
So don't forget it. Grace and Peace Central. Have a great week.